The piece of scripture that we're looking at um, today is from the book of Luke, so that's the third book in the New Testament, about three quarters of the way through your Bible, maybe a bit further, Um, and we're in chapter 13, starting at verse 22. And this picks up uh, the account of Jesus' ministry as he moves through the countryside around Jerusalem and the area called Judea, and he's performing miracles and um, teaching, and he's certainly coming to the interest of more and more people. And we're going to pick him up here as he um, is about to do some teaching. It may have a title called The Narrow Door in, in what you're reading. He, that is Jesus, went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door... And you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Thanks, Jude. Uh, It'd be really good if you can keep your Bible open there at Luke 13. Uh, It's the passage that we want to consider this morning. Uh, On your way in, hopefully you got uh, a sermon outline if you wanted one. Uh, It's just a way to follow along and there's some questions at the bottom that you might want to think about later or do in your growth group this week or or, or do with somebody else. Uh, There's also a kid sheet there as well. So if there's kids here and you want uh, something that helps you follow along, there's a kid sheet that enables you um, to do that. Now I wonder whether you are a person who has... Um, ever been sucked in uh, by a limited time offer? Um, you, know, you know the ones where they advertise a certain product, uh, they discount it, or they, they add something else to it, and you think, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. And then, then they bring in the kicker, uh, limited time offer. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's this something that you were mildly interested in, <laughs> something that you could have signed up for, something you could have invested into, all of a sudden there's fear of missing out. (laughs) I've got to get in for that. Uh, There may never be another chance to buy a blender at at this such a wonderful price. This is an advertising ploy, isn't it? To to get us to worry about whether we're going to miss out on something. We're going to miss our opportunity for the bargain of the century. Well, today, as we look at this uh, instance from the life and the ministry of Jesus, uh, in which he tells a story, uh, we're looking at something that is a genuine limited time offer. But Jesus is not providing 
a marketing lesson, and this is not an advertising ploy. This is a cold, hard reality that what we've celebrated today in the lives of, of Levi and Allah and Faith and Irene, coming to know the Lord Jesus and entering into his kingdom for all eternity is in fact a limited time offer. There is an opportunity to be saved. There's opportunity to be right with God and to enjoy him forever. But one day, that opportunity is going to close. And so today, as we celebrate that they have made it into the kingdom, we're going to be asking a very important question. Are we in? And if we're not, what's stopping us? Now, as Jude mentioned, our, our passage this morning starts uh, with Jesus really on a teaching tour on his way to Jerusalem. And in one of the towns or the villages where he's traveling and teaching, uh, he's stopped and he's asked a question by someone there. You can see it if you have a look there in verse 23. The question that's asked to him is, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now, that's an interesting question, isn't it, really? I, it piqued my interest. Uh, how many people, Jesus, are going to be saved? How many people are going to be in the kingdom? And we think, well, maybe Jesus could canvas some results from the people that are around there. Peter, what, what do you think about that? Uh, Andrew, what's your opinion on the matter? Maybe he could have taken a vote. Do we think lots or a few? He could have been the ultimate small group leader. He could have got people into pairs and said, all right, discuss it amongst yourselves, and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll have a bit of a feedback session. But in fact, Jesus doesn't do that, does he? In fact, if you notice, Jesus actually never really answers the question that he's asked. He actually turns the question around. Not whether or not it will be a few, uh, but whether or not it will be you. Jesus is saying to young and old, single, married, children, elderly people, Will you be there in the kingdom of God? There is a way to enter. There's a way to be right with God. But one day, it'll be gone. Uh, will you be there? Now, throughout this section, you'll notice that Jesus uh, is really telling a story or using a particular image to describe salvation to talk about being right with God, to talk about being saved. It's a picture of the kingdom. And it's helpful for us to understand that because it helps us understand what Jesus is talking about. He's giving here in the story that he tells the image of a feast. It, it's a feast being held in, in someone's home. Maybe it's a large home. And it, that home is inside a, a, a walled fence. And that fence distinguishes between those who are inside the feast and enjoying it and those who are on the outside. Now, why does Jesus tell the story about a feast? Why doesn't he talk about people who go on a camping trip? Some go and some don't. Or uh, go to the movies. Some do, some don't. Or have a haircut. Some do, some don't. I did uh, this week. Well, we, we, all like, we all like food, don't we? But that's not why Jesus tells this story. You see, as soon as Jesus talks about a feast, a great feast, 
He's taking their minds and our minds to a very important big theme, big picture theme of the Bible. The great banquet or the great feast that God is preparing for his people. A great feast that is going to come at the end of this time when God's work is complete. It's a feast that God promises in the Bible for those who are his own. Listen to this from the book of Joel. It says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. You see, in talking about a feast, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the reign and rule of God in this world. And he's reminding us that God is doing something incredible in this world and for people. He's preparing a great banquet, a great feast. But more than that, it's a feast and a banquet that can be enjoyed because people are right with God. And in fact, the world is right again. It's a meal that can be enjoyed because the whole of creation has been restored. God has dealt with sin and he's dealt with the curse and he's put things right. And this is good news, isn't it? This is good news to remember that one day this world is going to be made right again. One day all of the destruction and the sin and the evil and the abuse and the horror of this world will come to an end. And there'll be a great feast for all those who belong to God. And better news yet, we can be part of it. There's an opportunity for us to be there. Incredibly, graciously, kindly, God is inviting people to come, not because we deserve it, but out of sheer mercy. And so as Jesus pitches this feast, Inside this house with a wall around it, he then asks a very important question. Not what's for entree, not how many will be there, but will you? There is a way in, and Jesus talks here about a door, a doorway in. And I want to notice two things that he says about that door. And the first thing that you notice he says there in verse 24 is that it is a narrow door. Have a, have a look at what he says. He says, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. There's a doorway in and it's a narrow doorway, says Jesus. It's not wide. So strive to enter into that. Now, what does Jesus mean when he, when he tells us to strive. Well, strive was a word used particularly of athletes and armies. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? We think about an athlete uh, preparing to compete or competing. They are striving, aren't they? They have a singular focus on the goal, on, on the finish line. They have a singular focus in their training. They have a, a singular focus on their competing. They, they, they want to get to the end line. 
armies too, they, they strive to win a battle, don't they? You, you wouldn't want an army that is half-hearted. Uh, you don't want an army that is divided in its focus. An, an army needs to strive to, to keep pushing on. And Jesus is saying, similar to us, he's saying, the door is narrow, so strive to enter into it. Now, hang on, we, we do need to ask a very important question here, don't we, for, for a moment. We, we need to ask, is Jesus then saying that our entry into the feast is a result of our efforts? Is he saying, well, if you work hard enough, you will be rewarded with a ticket to get in. The, the bouncer at the door will, will test your level of knowledge or how many good things you've done or whether or not you've sinned X amount of times and let you in on that. Well, well I, don't, I don't think so, and I, I hope you don't think the same. One of the things that stood out to me as we, we listened to these testimonies today was just this recognition from all of these young people that they don't deserve to be a part of God's family. It's not something they worked for. Today's not a reward for their good behavior, but it's a gift of grace. You see, the fact that there is a door at all is a wonderful gift of grace from God. Because the reality is, is that none of us, by our efforts, would be able to get in there. None of us will ever be good enough or be able to work hard enough. The fact that the door is narrow is a reminder that there's only one way in. And that way is through Jesus. That way is through faith in him. The call to strive to enter into it is not a call for us to save ourselves. But it's a call for singularity of focus on Jesus. Entering the kingdom and knowing him must be our singular goal and desire. You see, as the story goes on, you notice that there are people who are hanging outside the door who are missing out. Maybe people who thought, well, I can, I can, I can kind of get in there a little bit later on. Maybe people who thought, well, there's multiple doors around the outside. I'll, I'll just pick one at some time. Maybe they were distracted by all the other things that were going on outside. Maybe they wanted to join the feast later on. I'll just enjoy things outside the gate for a little bit longer. But Jesus is saying, no, there's a narrow door and only one door. So strive to enter it. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was uh, younger, a lot younger, um, I, I wanted to go to this particular concert. Uh, it was an outside concert being held at this large football stadium in New Zealand. And so my mates and I, we went along and uh, we, uh, we wanted to buy tickets at the gate and to get in that way. Um, but when we got there, the concert had been sold out. So we were, we were a little bit disappointed by that. Then we noticed um, there was a whole lot of people who were like hanging by the fence line. And as soon as the concert started, a whole heap of people jumped the fence and got in there. And so my mates and I, we went home and had a cup of tea and uh, a quiet night by ourselves. We may or may not have joined in uh, with some of that uh, as well. Uh, but this is not the case with the kingdom feast. There's no fence jumping 
There's no back door entrance. There's no way to cut a new hole. There's a narrow door. There's one way in. And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through faith in him we receive that gift. You see, only Jesus provides the way in. Because only Jesus makes people right with God. Only Jesus lived a perfectly obedient life where we cannot and do not. Only Jesus suffered and died to remove sin and guilt. Only Jesus replaces a sinful life with his own righteousness. He readily and he willingly accepts sinners, all kinds of people. He's the one that's opened the door through his own life and his death. He stands there welcoming people in and he gladly accepts us. Have you entered in this way? Will you be there at the eternal after party, enjoying the presence and the blessing of God for all eternity? Second thing we want to notice about this door, and this is really important, it's not only a narrow door, but it's a closing door. It's not closed yet. It's not even started to close, but it is a door that one day will close. Have a look at verse uh, 25 and look at what it says there. It, It says, it talks about the master of the house has risen and shut the door. Jesus is saying, one day that master who who welcomes people into this feast is going to call time and that door will be shut. And at that moment, there will be people on the inside and there will be people on the outside. This is why Jesus says that some people will want to enter, but they won't be able to. It's not because they weren't good enough or they didn't try hard enough or they didn't know enough. It's because they will be too late. Jesus says here, uh, there in verse 24, he says, When the door is shut, you will begin to stand outside the door and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. But he will say, I do not know where you came from. They'll begin to argue with him. But we, we, we heard you teaching. You, you were eating and drinking with us. We, we knew all about you. We, 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 we heard all about this door. But he will not be persuaded. The door is closed. And it will stay closed. The issue is not that they did not know how to enter. Or they did not have opportunity. This will be well known to them. The issue is that they did not enter by the narrow door while they still had the chance. And so while those inside go about enjoying the eternal blessing and presence of God for all eternity, there will be many outside for whom it will be too late. And the results of that will be terrible. More terrible than missing out on your cut price blender. 
or your concert tickets or your lifetime once-in-a-lifetime investment. And it's not just that they miss out on what's going on in the inside. Look, look at what it says in verse 27. He says, Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place outside there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. He says, you will know what is going on inside. But for you, there will be eternal torment. This is, this is hell. Literally, this is hell. Now, it's not pleasant to talk about that. But it's a reality, isn't it? It's what we all deserve. And apart from Jesus... It's what we receive. They will know about the kingdom feast and they will know what they have missed out on. There's a way in which hearing the good news of Jesus is a very, very scary thing. And there's a way in which proclaiming the good news of Jesus is a very scary thing. It's a privilege, isn't it? Because we get to hear the way of salvation, the way to be right with God through Christ, the free gift. But it's scary if we hear it and reject it and keep on rejecting it because we find ourselves in this situation. I picked this passage today for today. I didn't pick it today. I picked it for today. Um, because I thought it would be wonderful to talk about this door that these young people have entered into, coming to know Jesus and all that awaits them. And it is. It's, it's true, isn't it? But something happened as, as the week went on, as I worked on it. I realized that this passage, this sermon, it's, it's not firstly for people who are in. It's not firstly for these guys and for all of us who've responded to the good news. It's actually for those amongst us who haven't. It's for those who have heard but are hanging around outside and have not responded in faith to Christ. Those who might be thinking, well, one day I'll get around to that. Uh, one day when I've, I've finished all the things that I want to do. One day when I've grown up a little bit. One day when I'm rid of all these other distractions in my life. I don't, I don't get too many more opportunities uh, to be up the front here. Others will be, that's a great thing, uh, but I don't. So let me make this appeal to you now. Now is the time. Not later, not tomorrow, but today. The Bible says that that day when the door closes will come like a thief in the night. Everybody we're thinking, that's a long way off. Ah, we haven't had all these predictions come true yet. We, we, you know, it's down the track. Thief in the night. No one knows when it's coming. J.C. Ryle wrote about this passage. He says, there is something particularly striking in our Lord's language in this prophecy. 
It reveals to us the awful reality that men and women may see what is right when it is too late for them to be saved. There is a time coming when many will repent too late, believe too late, sorrow over sin too late, and begin to pray too late. Myriads shall wake up in another world and be convinced of truths which on earth they refuse to believe. Hell itself is nothing but truth known too late. Right now it is not too late. One day it will be, but right now it is not. So don't put it off. Don't hold off. Don't wait. Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today is the day to enter through a narrow door into a kingdom feast. A joyous celebration of being right with God through Christ and enjoying him forever. To live without the curse. To live in freedom and hope and joy. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we thank you that graciously uh, and in great mercy and in great love, you have made a way for us to enter into your kingdom. Lord God, we know that we don't deserve it. And left to our own devices, we would, we would never be able to make it. But you have opened up a door. And you graciously invite us in. We thank you, Lord, for all those who are here today who have experienced that, who, who know that, who have assurance that they are saved. And we thank you for the blessing of that, Lord God. But we pray for one another. We pray for those, Lord. We pray for those who do not know you yet. And by your spirit, may your truth work deep in hearts and minds, bringing people to Christ, bringing people into life. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.